Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. To some, a baby's babbling doesn't mean much, but it does. Especially if there's no babbling at all. Little to no babbling by 12 months or later is just one of the possible signs of autism in children. Learn more at AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Good morning, good morning, and this is the second half of Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys, and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. I have a very special guest this, with me this morning. We're going to be discussing um, human trafficking. I'm going to merge our calls now. Give me one second here. Saturday. Good morning. Um, Dr. Agar Yegbe, are you still there? Yes, I am. Hi. Thank you so much for um, accepting the invitation to come on the show. It's my pleasure to be here, Ms. Joy Keith. Uh, let me tell the audience, you are the Community Engagement Manager on the Strategic Initiative on Sex Trafficking Team. Um, she is the lead on a safety net expansion initiative for Polaris Big Fight, that seeks to reduce sex trafficking in 25 cities across the United States and over the, ne- over the next 10 years. Um, Dr. Agbe Yedbe has earned her Doctorate of Public Health degree from the University of North Texas Health Science Center and her Master's of Public Health in Community Health Education from the City University of New York Hunter College. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This is a really crazy topic. Um, when people think about you know, human trafficking, sex trafficking. I mean, me initially, I mean, not now, but initially in the past, I'd be like, oh, that's happening like in Asia and they're grabbing people in some South America. Um, But human trafficking is happening here, right here in the United States. It is. And the reason why there's a lot of confusion is because of a lack of understanding what human trafficking is. Most of the time, when people think about human trafficking, is thinking about somebody who's held in chains, somebody who's under lock and key, but that is not always the situation. Here in the United States, what we'd like people to think about is where somebody is forced to have sex for money or for something else, like either a roof over their head or something. That is sex trafficking. And for labor trafficking, some, something where somebody is forced to work and they cannot leave of their own free will. They're not getting paid for the work that they're doing. That's the situation of labor trafficking. Who is most susceptible to be caught up in human trafficking? Like, who is the victim? Is there a certain type of characteristics that a person has to have to be a victim of human trafficking? Uh, Well, there are certain vulnerabilities. Human trafficking is one of those things that can happen to anybody but there are certain vulnerabilities that predispose somebody to be a victim of human trafficking. And some of those vulnerabilities we have seen from what we're doing is the absence of social safety initiative I'm working on is about. Because you find that either people who are 
low income who don't have access to the facilities that they need, such as housing and transportation. We find that, that there's some component of social justice involved in it also. So people who are marginalized also are vulnerable to become victims of human trafficking. Are men more susceptible or women? Because, you know, again, I'm thinking stereotypes, I think women. But there are men as well, yes? Yes, they are men as well. It also depends on the industry when, when you're looking at it. So we have human trafficking occurring, sex and labor. And when you think about labor trafficking, you might find a lot of men in that industry, even though you will find some women also. So we find that in the agricultural industry, for instance, about um, seasonal where we have farm workers coming into work on farms, and they have come and they have their immigrant visa, but they come into the country and somebody withholds their visa, makes them work. So you find a lot of men in that population. Also, when you look at labor trafficking in the restaurant industry, in the service industry, landscaping, and industries like that, you'll find men. But you'll find women when you're talking about sex and when you're talking about industries like domestic work and the, the uh, massage parlors and in those sort of industries, you find women in that population. Now, in terms of, you know, prostitution, that has come up in the media a lot in recent years, and the issue is putting the prostitutes in jail or putting the pimps in jail, and what is, how does that connect with human trafficking? To me, I don't see somebody willingly wanting to be a prostitute, but um, are they a criminal? So in Polaris, we have a position where we support what is called um, partial decriminalization of sex work. To that extent, we are saying that if somebody wants to sell themselves, if you say, you know, you want to be a sex worker and that's what you choose, you have a right not to suffer consequences for that. However, we are of the opinion that the full decriminalization, saying anybody can do everything, is making it possible for somebody to say, okay, I don't have to be worried about being a pink, and I can take anybody, and there are no consequences for me if I decide to do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the trafficking component comes in. Because if you say that people want to, to go out and do what they want to do, that's okay. But what if somebody doesn't find enough people who are willing to do that on their own, and there's a demand for it, and then they want to close that market, or they want to take advantage of that market, and they find themselves having to take people, compel them to do this work. And that's the other end which we are saying that we need to look at that before we talk about, you know, just saying it's okay. It's not okay to arrest anybody who is in a prostitution situation. But mm-hmm. if you are facilitating that process or you're making, creating a demand that may cause somebody to do something harmful to another person, then that becomes something that we should take a closer look at. I want to let the audience know there is a national human trafficking hotline. You can call 1-888-373-7888. Again, 1-888-373-7888. D-E-F-R-E-E, which which are the numbers 233733. Um, So that's a place you can reach out to. 
Um, I was reading um, a book. Uh, I had a, a filmmaker on. He did a book about uh, Los Angeles and homeless children. Um, what are the rates of kids being trafficked um, because they're homeless and they're vulnerable? Yes. So one of the things that we found, a couple of the things, not one, is that runaway kids are susceptible. When we look at vulnerability, right, so somebody runs away from home and they're staying somewhere and they don't have somewhere to go, and somebody comes to them, usually the trafficker befriends the person, is offering them what they don't have at home. The kids may even actually be at home by the time that they're being groomed, right? So they're Mm. beginning to find out from them you're having problems at home, you're not getting well with your parents, and they're like, oh, your parents don't understand you. I understand you, and you can have a better life with me. And that's the projection that, that they give. However, when the person comes and begins to live with them, they find out that they have to do things to pay, as it were, for their living. And it may start by sleeping with that one person, and it will just seem like they're in a relationship with the person, but in no time in arrivals to the person says, you have to do this with my friends to make me happy. And the person may not know that they're actually being introduced to commercial sex because they may mm. not get the money themselves. So this, their friend is collecting money from people behind their back and they're just saying to them, do this for me as a friend. And before they know it, they're being taken in transportation, going to other people, and then they see a sex trafficking situation. How do you recognize that from the outside that um, someone needs some help? Uh, how, I mean, because you may not know all the ins and outs, but you kind of get some kind of feeling, you know, in your gut. How, how would the person recognize somebody's having a problem? Yes. One of the things that we're doing in Polaris, we're encouraging people to know the story and not know the sign. Because a lot of times we've found out that people want to look for a sign and you see somebody who's not talking and you think that you should call the hotline. Um, but you can make that call and as they're being engaged with you, you're stopping somebody who's actually in need from getting access. So we say don't really look at the signs because the signs may mean trafficking and they may not mean. They may just mean that somebody, didn't, somebody had a bad day or didn't get around to getting dressed or something. We're saying know the story. And in order for you to know the story, we're asking people to focus on proximity and context. What do I mean? If you ask to somebody, then you can have an understanding of what is actually going on. So I'll take the case of a domestic worker, for instance. A domestic worker, some of the cases we have seen about domestic workers, they are engaged for one job and they end up having to do three jobs for that same salary. What do I mean? Somebody Mm -hmm. signs a contract and says, the person says, I want a nanny. And the person comes and to take care of their children. However, they get to the house and they find out that not only are they the nanny, they're the housekeeper, they're doing housework. They're the cook, they are cooking also. And they're paying the same money. So if you have signed a contract for $12 an hour, say, to be a nanny, and then you become cook and, and housekeeper as well, You're working longer hours, and at the end of the day, that person is not being paid $12 an hour, probably being paid like $2 an hour when you calculate Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it. When we talk about proximity, if you go to somebody's house like that and you find out that you go there in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, every time, this person is always working. 
you will have the proximity to know that something is going on or something might be wrong. So right. look at that and look at the context. We also give the example of if you go to a restaurant. So if I go to a restaurant and eat, I may not really know that this restaurant worker is in a trafficking situation. But if you work in the restaurant and you have a colleague who might say be uh, an immigrant and might tell you that, oh, um, the manager or somebody has their passport or they leave with that person, you can hear those stories and begin to say something is not right here. The person says, oh, we're sleeping downstairs in the basement. We have a room. They don't have somewhere of their own. They can't come and they can't go as they will. So it's that proximity and the context that will give you um, some information to say, um, look, you might be in a trafficking situation. Here's information and you can do something with it. I was reading about graded record relief. This is where the person who has been in a human trafficking situation, um, a lot of times they have criminal records. Uh, can you tell the audience about that? What does that mean? Yes. So what happens in, when people are in a trafficking situation, their traffickers make them do things that are against the law. So somebody who's a sex trafficking victim, for instance, their trafficker may make them sell drugs. Their trafficker may make them steal. And they may actually get arrested for prostitution, which is illegal. When they leave that situation and they want to move on with their lives, they are faced with challenges of having a criminal record against their name. And so what the trafficking industry has done is to ask for criminal record relief, vacature of these things, and have them expunged from an individual's record so that they can go ahead and get a job and get employment and get accommodation. We don't have that, however, uniformly across the country. And so what that vacature relief that you read about is the system where Polaris looked at what states and what countries have relief. And some of them is partial relief, like some, some states have vacature for the exact crime. So they want to vacate the crimes that are prostitution. Mm -hmm. However, if your trafficker also costs you to steal, you didn't do that on your own, it cost you to sell drugs. So you've mm -hmm. done some other crime that is not prostitution, but that you did as a result of being with your trafficker. And so we want not just, you know, sexual crimes to be vacated, but all of anything that was associated with a person during the time where they were trafficking victims ought to be expunged from their record, and they ought to have the opportunity to be able to move ahead and start with their life. Then in a situation, whether it's sex or labor, um, there is trauma involved. How can, you know, we as a community help the people after they're out? What can we do after they're out of the situation? There are lots of service providers who provide service to people in that sort of situation. But one of the things that I think that we as a community can do is to understand what trafficking is and to understand how the person got into trafficking. Sometimes people are re-traumatized when they are judged for something that they did that was not their fault. You know, so saying to somebody, well, why didn't you leave? But if the person had their passport or was threatening them or they had family somewhere or they didn't know whether they could go back home and find acceptance in their family, you know, some people are like, I'd rather be in this situation than sleep on, at the bus stop because I don't want to be that. 
So not holding people accountable, not holding people as it were for things that they could, that was the best choice. Let me just say that. What they did at the time they did was the best choice that they had. Mm. And understanding that and not holding it against them and supporting them and helping them to move ahead. What about the people who are doing, the, who the overseers, so to speak, the pimps, the people who own the farms, the, the person who uh, has the domestic worker, how are they being prosecuted? Um, are they being prosecuted? Uh, what's happening on that side? They are being prosecuted because we have the Trafficking Victim Protections Act from two, 2000 that made trafficking a crime in the United States, and we have laws. The, the prosecution rate, however, is not reflective of the level of trafficking that is going on in the country. And that's because sometimes it's difficult to find somebody to come out and want to prosecute their case. What makes it a crime also is the presence of forced fraud and coercion. Although forced fraud and coercion doesn't apply if the person in sex trafficking is under 18, the law doesn't recognize that somebody under 18 can decide that they want to be in, in sex work. So if mm. you're under 18 and it's in sex, then it's automatically a crime. Otherwise, you have to demonstrate forced fraud and cohesion. And sometimes because of the challenges in demonstrating this, you know, uh, it, it, it's difficult to pursue those cases so in the area of domestic work, for instance, which I did some work, some of those cases can actually get tried under different crimes. So you can get tried an, an, as a labor crime, as mm-hmm. a wage theft crime, because you're ending up not paying the person what you said you were going to pay that. So it might be a trafficking case, but the most evidence is, in fact, of the labor crime because you're not paying the person. Mm-hmm. It might be a trafficking case, but you might get charged for immigration fraud because you presented papers to the immigration to the embassy and which said you were going to employ this person and pay them this much money and they were going to work this many hours. And so it might be easier to get the person for immigration fraud because now if this person is not making this much money and not working, that means you lied to the embassy. So as best as possible, the industry does a lot of work to persecute them, but it's also people also need to know that a crime is being committed and be willing to report the crime and also be willing to support persecution of the crime. There was a young lady, uh, Centonia, uh, she was put in jail for killing her pimp. Um, how is Polaris helping individuals like that who maybe come to the end of their rope and in order to get out of their situation, they end up killing their jailer, quote-unquote, if you will? Yeah, I don't know if you know that Santonia has been granted pardon and she's out. Yeah. And she's, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So, and Polaris worked closely at that time on her case. Uh, sometimes we do this work behind the scenes, but we're very aware. And that's part of the reasons why we put out the vacature report also. The vacature report that Polaris put out about two years ago graded states on where they are. And since that report came out, we know that some states have made concrete their laws to be able to make sure that people are not being held up, hold, you know, we're not holding down people for crimes that they were just not in a position to refuse to do them. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell the phone number again for the National Human Trafficking Hotline. It's 1-888-373-7888. Also, you can text DEFREE, D-E-F-R-E-E, 
or the number 233733. Um, also on Polaris, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Let me also say that you can go to the hotline on, on, on the internet, www.humantraffickinghotline.org, because you can also reach the hotline by on-chat texting, and you can also send an email. Now, you know, they have um, a lot of, what do you call it, people can hack things and check out where you're going. How, how, how do people, how can I say this? Is there a safe place on the net that a person who's in a human trafficking situation go and not get their stuff tracked by their um, pimp or, you know, holder or, you know, jailer, so to speak? How is that? Yeah, the trafficking, one of the areas, and, and, and that's a very important question you asked here, that the trafficking industry is doing is working on cyber technology. So we, for instance, in Polaris, we have a chief technology officer because we understand that the things that you're saying about the security on the Internet. And so we make sure that our own site and people who come to our website are secure. But there are also other people in the industry who work very hard to track not just the safety of the person that is on the Internet and trying to get help, but also people who are vulnerable on the Internet. So a lot of young people, for instance, are on the Internet, and the people who are posing to be who they are not just to get that. So there's a mm. lot of work going on making the Internet not just safe for people who are already victims, but also for people who can be potential victims. Why would somebody want to be a human trafficker? Like, what, I, mean, I mean, is it the money? Is it the power? Why would I say I'm a person? Why would I want to hold the person hostage? Why would I want to make somebody work in the farm all day? What is the makeup of that person that says I'm going to be this trafficker? So here, when we look at it, we believe that the motivation is the fact that human trafficking is a profitable industry and the risk is very low. So if you look at it, it's the second most profitable criminal industry behind drugs and ahead of guns. Mm. And if you look at drugs and guns, once a person sells the drug or sells the gun, it's gone out of their hands and they can't do anything with it. However, in this case of trafficking, you still have the person with you. So you can use one person over and over and over and over again. Human trafficking is reported to be an industry of over 150 billion. So there's a lot of money there because you can reuse and renew. And, and the risk is low. Unlike a gun or drugs where you have to carry them and go through security. Because these are people who are being forced, who are being coerced, you'll be surprised to see that you see a trafficking victim and there's no enforcement right around them and they might not say anything. And that's because their trafficker has threatened them or threatened their loved ones, and that fear does not allow them to say anything. So they can actually send you to go and work and go and make money and bring for them. And you might not really think, but they're not there. Why don't you go to law enforcement? Why don't you say this is what's happening? Why don't you report them? But have you ever been threatened before? Do you know what it's like to have somebody tell you that you can lose your life or your loved ones can lose their lives? And Mm. that fear is the power that traffickers have and they can use it and they can reuse a trafficking victim over and over again. We believe, though, that if we tighten the laws on holding traffickers accountable, 
if we remove some of these vulnerabilities that allow people to be susceptible to, to a trafficker, that we might be able to close that gap and see an end to trafficking. Wow. You know, I read also about truck drivers um, helping out with human trafficking. There was a, a group called Truck Driver, uh, Truckers Against Trafficking. Um, are you familiar with that project? Does Polaris work with them at all, with truck drivers or any large other, uh, uh, other systems um, to stop human trafficking? We work, we have a lot of partners that we work with, but no truckers against trafficking. And the work that they do, we commend it. Because so, you know, truckers are moving from one city to another and they're always on the road. And what they found out from them, and this is the sort of things what we're talking about, proximity and context. Because the people who are not traffickers could not have, um, truckers could not have known this. But the truckers themselves, would notice because you, you have these truck stops that they have, right? Mm -hmm. And would notice that truck stops. And you can be a trucker and you can have your partner go with you. But if the person is a young person and is an underage person, then there's something wrong with that picture. Or if you didn't have the person before you got into this truck stop and then suddenly you have this person, there's something wrong with that picture. And so because of their proximity to themselves, they were able to identify that we have some truckers who are holding people hostage, and they were able to do that. So some industries, we talk about proximity. If you're working closely with somebody, I say everybody who comes to work lives in the office and doesn't go home. Everybody mm -hmm. gets paid at the same time. In some cases of labor trafficking, for instance, we've heard where they, they give them the check, and the trafficker takes everybody to the bank at the same time, and everybody cashes their check. And gives at their the same money. time. Mm -hmm. and yes, and because they have to give it back. So no other place do you have everybody going to cash their checks at the same time. Why would that happen unless something else is going on? So really paying attention to those oddities that are happening around where you are. You um, are working on this safety net expansion initiative, and it's said 25 cities. How did you decide on the 25 cities? We, we used a couple of criteria to decide the 25 cities. One, we looked at where the cities are because Sometimes it's like uh, somebody is building a house and you haven't put the rooftop on it. They're almost done, right? They just need mm -hmm. the roof. So, so it's just easy to work with somebody who's like, okay, all we need to get for you is, is your rooftop, as opposed to somebody where we need to get the land and where we need to get the house. So some of those cities are cities that have already made some headway in the areas of trafficking, or they have a loophole somewhere or the other. And we're saying if you close this loophole, you know, your trafficking work can be really very tight in your city. We're looking mm -hmm. at cities that have already working in the area of housing, in the areas of um, social safety nets, in the areas of community organizations. What are people doing, you know, and how can we move that forward? And we also look at the size of the cities and the, the problem of trafficking in those cities. So we use a number of criteria to come to that decision about what the twin part cities were going to work on will be. Well, you are doing some wonderful work. Um, I'm sure it's going to help a lot of people. And I think I, I, I've done more I other shows about human trafficking, but have human trafficking, but I think it's needed all the time. It's like, is it ever going to end? Do, do you think this problem will ever end or is this a never ending problem? Uh, believe it or not, we're hoping to work ourselves out of a job. So our goal is to be able to, to, to end it. But we understand that because 
human trafficking itself is rooted in, amongst other things, systemic issues and issues of racism. And so those are things that will not go away. And that's why, for instance, my project is 25 cities in the next 10 years, because we can't work in all the cities at once, do the work and see how it's working. And we have an evaluation component, come back and evaluate the work and see what we need to do to go to the next stage. So mm-hmm. it's going to take time. It's a, it's a huge monster and we have to keep at it systematically. But we're hoping that in the long run, by the time we address the social justice issues that are predisposing people to be trafficking victims, by the time we hold traffickers accountable, we're going to get to that point where we do end human trafficking. Well, I can't wait till that day. <laughs> I'm serious. You know, um, I, I'm a parent and, you know, I I worry about other, actually my, my child's grown, but I worry about kids, you know, who don't have that mm-hmm. support system, like you yeah. said, or people who don't have those support systems that um, either within their family or like you said, in the community, because like you said, social justice issues um, that, you know, they're going to fall through the cracks. But your group, uh, Polaris Project, I think is doing some great work. And again, I want to thank you so much for coming uh, on the show this morning. And uh, I, I wish you much success with, you know, all this research. Um, and hopefully we can say goodbye human trafficking one day. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you, Joy. It's been my pleasure to talk with you. I hope people can visit our website, www.polarisproject.org, or visit the human trafficking website, www.humantraffickinghotline.org. You'll find a lot of information. And you can contact us if you say anything that, you know, we can do to help. They also have um, on the human trafficking website um, uh, for in, in Spanish, if you're Spanish speaking. So don't um, feel like you don't have to speak English. And also yeah. they chat um, on Polaris site. I think you guys have a chat uh, yes, option. Do. Yes. Yeah. So go to their site and you could chat if you maybe don't want to talk out loud because maybe you're hiding or you're, you know, in a, a, a precarious situation. Um, yeah. you, can, you can chat and just type out what you're what you're looking for there. Again, thank you so much, Dr. Agbe, and I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Thank you. I appreciate this opportunity. Good day. Okay. Good day. Bye bye. Bye. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, just got off the phone with Dr. Lillian Agbe from the Polaris Project. She is working on a safety net expansion initiative for Polaris Big Fight. Um, They seek to reduce sex trafficking in 25 cities across the United States over the next 10 years. Um, You can also help in the fight of human trafficking, keeping your eyes open and watching for certain signs and situations uh, of people, laborers, it can be sex, it could be uh, a worker in a person's house. One of the examples she gave is the person there in the morning, in the night, in the evening, all the time, they never leave. Another example she gave about people getting their paychecks, everybody gets their paycheck at once and everybody goes to the bank at once and then they give all the money or at least probably three quarters of it back to the person uh, who's their boss. Uh, these are some signs. And, and looking out for, you know, young people, there's a lot of young people who are homeless on the streets um, and they, they need support. Um, and we as people who are not on the street, we can help them and also share with them the human trafficking hotline, um, the number there, and uh, their number is one eight 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 three seven three seven eight eight eight. 373 7888 
Um, all right. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I uh, hope you guys tune in uh, next week, and um, we'll have fun again. And you guys can always call in. I know people listen and, and um, you know on the computer, but you can always call in at 516-387-1745 if you want a question. You can email me. You can leave me a note on one of the social media sites. Um, and, uh, and 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 leave a question for for a guest there. I I try to look through those and see if people have questions. All right, you guys, you have a wonderful weekend. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Joy Tees. Also check me out on Facebook Saturday mornings with Joy Tees, and on Instagram Saturdays with Joy Tees. Bye bye. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.